Hello, and welcome to the Wanderings Podcast, a photographer's exploration of art, science, and world culture. I am your host, Pedro Bonato, a fine art and advertising photographer based in Toronto, Canada. In this show, I talk to artists, designers, scientists, filmmakers, authors, entrepreneurs, people who are creating inspiring work in a variety of fields. I have been working as a professional photographer and as a musician for a few years, and I am often inspired by history, science, mythology, and popular culture in the photographs that I create. In this podcast, I try to go a little bit deeper in the stories that inspire me, and I hope will inspire you too. Before we get into today's show, I wanted to take a moment and thank you for listening to the podcast. It really means the world to me. We are on our third episode, and I'm really enjoying these conversations. And we have a great lineup for the next few months. I would love to hear from you, what you're thinking about the show, your takeaways from our guests, or just to say hi. You can find me on social media at Pedro Bonato and hit me up with your questions, comments, and suggestions. Today's episode is a very special one for me. Although I am a photographer and a musician, my first love in art was comic books. I learned how to read with my mom reading comic books before bed, and I would follow the panels and try to figure out the words. My dad used to show me some of the heroes he liked when he was a kid, and I had a chance to pass that love to my oldest nephew when I gave him some of my favorite graphic novels for my own collection. I used to love drawing characters and worlds, and the photos I take today are certainly inspired by that art form. Even if you're not into comics, I think you'll love this episode. To guide us into this fantastic world of comic book art, our guest is Mike Deodato. Mike is one of Marvel's most prolific artists working today, and probably one of the top five creative pencilers in the market. We talked about his beginnings in comics with his dad, how he developed his unique style by taking inspiration from artists from all over the world. We talked about how it took 10 years working on comics in Brazil before he became an overnight success in the American market. Mike also describes his techniques, how he taught himself how to draw, how he went from paper to digital drawing, his process of breaking down a story, and his advice on getting into comics. He also talked about how he organizes his studio, his love for karate, maintaining a healthy lifestyle as an artist, and how even a world-class artist has to fight for the time to create independent projects to keep his creativity on the edge. Unbeknownst to him, Mike was very important on my own journey towards a photography career, and I shared that story during this interview. Okay, this was a long intro. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Mike Deodato. Okay, so Mike Deodato, welcome to the Wanderings podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, funny for two Brazilian guys to be speaking in uh, in English, but uh, <laughs> we'll, um, since the audience for the podcast is of English-speaking people, uh, we thought it would be cool for them to see our Brazilian accents from the north and from the south. Yeah, my, my English sucks, but, but if necessary, you can put a subtitle. So. 
<laughs> we'll do subtitles in the, in the audio. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. To start off, uh, like right off the bat, I am really inspired by your um, artworks. I have one of the drawings you made for me when, uh, when you last came to Toronto a few years ago. And uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you is, so how did it all start? How did you start creating comic books? Well, uh, I, I was inspired by my dad. He, he created the first comic book in my region in Brazil in 1963. So I, I grew up uh, watching him uh, drawing. And uh, he also introduced me. He was, a, he was a fan of comics too. So he introduced me to uh, the, the masters of the art. Uh, like Al Foster uh, introduced me, not the real guy, but the, the books, the, the, their uh, books, yeah. yeah. Uh, differently from uh, most of the stories you hear from comic book artists, I had total support from my, from my parents, especially my dad. Mm-hmm. So much that we spent about 10 years working together, like he was uh, writing and I was uh, drawing. So it was great. My first job that I consider like a professional one, that I was paid for it, was uh, in 1985 mm-hmm. when I did uh, the story of my state in comics. Paraíba is the name of my state. It was 1985, but I only could su- uh, live from comics, just from comics. It was 1991 when I started doing comics for uh, United States. Right. Before that, uh, I had about three other jobs and I, I did my comics in the weekend. Oh. It was mm-hmm. more like a hobby. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I knew you started like uh, working with US clients in, uh, in, in uh, 1991, but I didn't know about that before. So basically you are self-taught in a drawing? Like you would just, uh, how was your process of like uh, learning in the beginning? Basically, everything I know about uh, drawing comics, I learned by copying from the comics I, I read, I, that I collected. And uh, even my dad, he never gave me uh, formal lessons of drawing or anything. We didn't have money for to go to a school or anything like that. But my dad had a, had a, a different way of writing comics. He would write them... Uh, in thumbnails, in small, uh, mm-hmm. small drawings, uh, he would draw the very small the, the the panels with the balloons already there. Oh, so mm-hmm. in a in a uh, a sheet of paper, he would put four pages, and mm-hmm. just just by looking at, at it and by translating into a bigger page, I, I would learn how to to do uh, storytelling oh. uh, just by, by following his, his lead. So it was, uh, I didn't have any, any lessons, but uh, uh, I learned by, just by watching him, him work. That's fantastic. Well, I, I didn't know that. That's, that's, that's great. It's probably very interesting for you to see uh, 
your dad like working from this like macro perspective, right? To see how one page would go into another or how one panel would go into into the into the other, like as a whole process as you were learning, right? Yeah. Uh, so then uh, you would do them just like the penciling, or you would with him? Would you do the whole process? Like would you color and uh, and do like the the balloons with the, the lettering? What uh, what's what's the process there? Yeah, I I did the, I would do the whole process. Uh, that's the good thing about you doing independent comics and doing fanzines, because you have to do the whole process, uh, even the colors. And uh, the good side is because it, it's a lot of work, but you learn everything about the process. So uh, when I finally started doing comics for uh, America, I, I I knew everything already. <laughs> So I was ready already. Another good thing about doing independent comics is because you have the feedback from the readers and you grow with with their responses and uh, it's great for you to develop. I know that sometimes it, an artist has, gets a big chance and started immediately drawing for a big company. But it's good, but at the same time, I... I I don't think it's good for his uh, growing as an artist, you know. Right. I think it's it's good to to suffer a bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a good point. And uh, and so uh, you started with learning with your dad. Then you got a few jobs uh, locally, and then you got approached to work with some clients in the United States. Is that correct? Yes. It was created an uh, agency in Brazil called Art and Comics around 1990. And I had a, uh, I was not that famous, but people know my name for doing comics for Brazil. And they called me and asked me if I wanted to do something for a, a company called uh, Malibu. And it was, a, a, I guess it was 30 pages. I had 30 days to, to deliver it. And I was working in, in three in three jobs in a, two newspapers in a, in one advertising agents, and it was crazy. But I, I managed to to meet the deadline. Oh, so wow. after that, I, I never stopped getting work. It was uh, yeah, it, it never stopped. That's great. I read somewhere that your favorite, at least when you were growing up, your favorite uh, um, character was uh, Spider Man. Is that it? Yeah, it changes weekly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Actually, my favorite uh, was Captain America, Captain America because of the tune. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, very, very profound because of the tune. But uh, I prefer the, the, the more savage ones like Wolverine, right. Conan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like better the anti-heroes than the, the heroes. Right. But... Uh, uh, what I what I like about Captain America is uh, because it's uh, very uh, straightforward, very honest, and uh, almost naive. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I like all of that. But I also like the the anti heroes, the very dangerous one that make bad decisions and uh, but try to help. Wolverine, basically. 
Right. Yeah, it's Wolverine and Spider-Man are my favorites when I was uh, growing up. And uh, I actually learned how to read with um, Spider-Man comics when I was like, I don't know, five or six. Uh, cool. So uh, so from there, then you started uh, working a lot with uh, Marvel specifically, right? Well, uh, yeah, I, I started with the small companies, but then I, I heard that the... DC was in need of a, an artist for Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. I did a couple of samples, sent it, and people loved it. And then I spent a year drawing Wonder Woman, and then I became a, a overnight success, although I was working <laughs> on comics for more than 10 years. Right. And uh, people started to fight about my, my wanting to work with me. So... Uh, at some point, Valiant and Marvel were offering big uh, contracts, so I decided for Marvel because I grew up reading their characters. So it was 1995. Oh wow! And I have been I have been there since then, except for two years. I guess it was uh, 1999 and 2000. I did something for DC, but since then it's all all Marvel. Yeah, that's cool. And then, like, walk us through, like, how is your day to day on uh, when you're drawing? When you're drawing, like, walk us through the process. Uh, you receive a script from uh, via email, I assume these days, and then you start working on the panels and uh, working on the on the comic books. How does that work? Yeah, I, I like to when I receive the the script via email, I like to read it in, as a whole, uh, so I can feel the story and to get excited for the story. Then I ask for references. Uh, I ask my oh, I need reference for this character, uh, a lot of characters. And uh, then I start, when, I, when I, I'm reading the script, I, I also do uh, little thumbnails in the pages with the disposition of the panels so I can have an idea of how it would work. And then after that, I, I start doing page per page, and then I, I do uh, the layout with uh, the idea, all the energy I, I, I put in the, in the layout. I, usually I choose the most important scene to be the bigger one. When, it's all, all, when they all are all important, so I, I keep it straight with classic paneling. And then I look for references. Sometimes I take pictures of myself, of my friends, my wife as references. Uh, I look for reference in the 3D models. Like if I need a boat, I go to the uh, internet and look for a model. Google Warehouse? Yeah, Google mm -hmm. Warehouse, yes. I like mm -hmm. that because I have all the views of the object I want to draw. It make it easier. And then after I have all the reference, uh, I... I put them together in a, in a bigger page, and uh, usually I use Photoshop for that. Mm -hmm. And then after everything is assembled, uh, then I start to, to really draw. I prefer to draw, nowadays I, I use, I draw everything digital, mm -hmm. but uh, to draw, I prefer the, instead of the big uh, digital table, I prefer the, the smaller one because it feels more like I'm drawing in a page because it's, I don't like much, much uh, large space. I like to, to assemble things, but to draw, I prefer it to, to keep it closer to me. So I use a, a companion 
to to draw. Oh, interesting. So that's uh, like a screen, but it's a bit smaller, and then you can draw on it. Yeah, they have a bigger one, uh, 27 inch, and I have this little one. I I guess it's 13 inch, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I use also uh, for drawing instead of Photoshop. I use I use Clip Studio Paint, also known as uh, Manga Studio, mm -hmm. because he is made for for comics, and uh, I like the the brushes are very sensitive, mm -hmm. and uh, and that's it. Uh, basically, that's what I do. And then after I finish, I, I sent the page immediately, and I started another one. Back in the days, I used to do to send five pages a week, but nowadays I prefer to send a page a day. I uh, finish the page, I send the page. Oh, okay. So the writer sends you, or I imagine you have like an editor being the intermediate in the in the process. Do you work directly with the writer, or is it someone at Marvel that uh, that oversees the whole process? How does that work? Yeah, usually I, I communicate via email. So there is a, a chain of emails. Uh, uh, every, everybody involved is copied there, like my editor and then uh, the ass editor, assistant editor, the writer, and me. And I, I also put my, my colorist too. And that is also Brazilian, Frankie Martin. Oh, okay, cool. And then everybody is up to date. And uh, if I have uh, any doubt, I'll... I'll just gets everybody at once. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the cool thing is that you can work remotely, basically, right? You can be at your house. I know that uh, uh, we we're going to talk about your working space, uh, but I know that you live very close to the beach, and you you can uh, you were able to develop this like lifestyle that you're able to stay at, in Brazil at your home and not have to be in the U.S. or some other place, right? Yeah, that uh, internet was was great for that because uh, I can work uh, from home and uh, my studio is uh, built in a way that I share half of it with my little daughter, mm -hmm. so I can watch her and then I can also she she takes care of my uh, of my uh, blood circulation because <laughs> everything means dad dad come to see that so. <laughs> Good for my health, <laughs> for sure. And uh, because I I, I worked, uh, I guess ten years in in offices and newspapers, and I hated it. I was doing something I didn't like, but I had to. Mm -hmm. And I always dreamt about working at home, doing comics, and so uh, every day I I I <laughs> I say thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I remember when we met a few years ago, we were talking about uh, this and about the the lifestyle. And uh, so, how is your workspace? Uh, so you have, a, I assume, like this a big, I guess, screen tablet, and then you have the small one. Do you still do any work with paper, or is that more of a, just for for fans or just for fun? Or uh, um, how is your relationship with paper and uh, digital in your studio? Well, I have this new studio that I built uh, last year. It's it was made for me to to reunite with my family here, because I used to have a small one that didn't fit everybody. So I was 
every time I had visitors, I had, I had to draw and I was cast away from everybody. Mm -hmm. So now they can come here and sit in a big sofa and watch TV while I'm working in the half of, of the studio in the back. And, and that's it. I, that, nowadays I work mostly digital. Mm -hmm. uh, I only, the only time I, I draw in paper is when I go to conventions. Mm -hmm. Two weeks ago, uh, my friend Will Conrad came here to to my other uh, daughter's wedding, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I had this idea to uh, invite every friend artist of mine to draw in my cabinets where I put my books, so in the doors. So he he did this drawing of Superman. I did another one of Conan in the, the upper part. So. It's very rare for me to draw in paper or any other thing besides uh, digital. And, and that it's because uh, for me, financially speaking, it would be better to, to draw in paper because uh, it would be another source of, of money to sell the original. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, I love uh, technology. Mm -hmm. It makes me faster. I like to use the extra time to pay attention to my family, to to exercise, to do other things that will result in me becoming happier and it will reflect on my art. So it was a calculated move to do that. In the end, it's the same thing. I'm drawing using a pen and uh, drawing in a, sur in a surface of something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so that, yeah, so it's it's the same. But it's faster, and I like to draw and that to be online at the same time and talk to my friends and mm -hmm. so it's uh i I don't see any problem except for the there is no physical uh original to to sell but uh i i I can make a good living for sure that without it so yeah, and it makes you like a prolific uh, artist, right you are always working on uh, a lot of uh of new projects and i guess one page a day is uh is very is very good do you always uh, get if you send this page for example to all the the people that are involved do you get notes back do you have to change things or whatever you send usually it's already uh, ready to for for color yeah we usually uh, i think 99% of the times I, I get a compliment, everybody, hey, it's good, fantastic. And once in a while, uh, there is some problem because uh, uh, there is a, uh, I do, I do layouts nowadays, but just for myself, they are very, very loose, just for me to understand what's going on. And, and I immediately start to drawing over it. In the past, I used to make them more accurate to send to the to my editor. He would approve, and then I would do the inks. But uh, there was a time, I think it was Dark Avengers were, were late for, for some reason, not my reason. And uh, I asked, can I send the pages directly without layouts so we can get more time? And, yes, of course. And I never sent <laughs> another layout in my life. And then I, I take the risk. Uh, so I send the pages. I didn't send the layout. So sometimes something in the, it was not, I didn't understand any, some, something in the script or sometimes uh, it's a mistake by the editorial. They didn't, they didn't know that, I don't know, Asgard were, were destroyed. So I had to 
have to draw another thing or uh, whatever it it happens uh, and i change it when it's my fault because uh, i'm not I'm not sending layouts i i don't complain at all i just do another one but it's very rare very rare mm -hmm. because I, i'm old i know how what how to do that <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's very very rare for me to make a mistake and I, I don't have time to make a mistake. <laughs> right, right. What I hear a lot of artists, uh, whenever I talk to people that are in the beginning of their trajectory, let's say, what, what happens is that uh, sometimes they don't have a volume of work, right? They're like waiting for an inspiration to come or not really practicing. And when you're a professional, you show up, you do it and you do it again. And tomorrow you'll, you know you'll do it. And I think that creates a different kind of uh, artist, right? That you can, uh, since you've been doing it for a while, you see your style evolving and you know you have deadlines you have to deliver. It's uh, as much as art as a business, a way to like sustain your family. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like from the, the difference between being like just an amateur wanting to like break into comics or any other art form or the professional that shows up, like that's the impression I get from your work ethic. Yeah, when when you are working independently, usually you are still wor working from your parents' <laughs> house, <laughs> so you don't have to worry about uh, pay rent or anything. So it's everything is fun. You you wait for inspiration, but uh, when you become a professional, uh, you have to to deliver on time, and uh, and you have to adapt. It's uh, Comics, you have to produce at least 20 pages a month plus a cover. That's the, the minimum they require for you, from you. So you have to work in, in this. You have to do the best you can in this, uh, under these guidelines. Um, yeah. guidelines. Mm -hmm. yeah. It, it's like you're working for a movie. You have a year to two years to make a movie. If you are working on a... On a Soap opera will have to do, uh, I don't know. Uh, like a, a few chapter, months probably, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a chapter a day. or And you have to do a masterpiece of, of that. Right. You have to adapt. Or if you don't cannot adapt, you have to choose another, another media to, to express yourself. Of course, I would love to have uh, one year to produce a, a, an album like... Uh, you Europeans do it mm -hmm. uh, sounds like a dream but I have bills to pay <laughs> so I, have, I have to think about but uh, for example um, I realized that uh, I'll, I'll never have the time to do uh, my independent comic if I don't push myself more than I already push so I'm working on an independent comic with uh, I cannot give details of uh, friend of mine, a uh, writer friend of mine, and uh, in order to do that, uh, I usually do five pages a week for Marvel, and uh, I, I thought, no, I have to do two more for myself. So every week I have to produce two pages of my own comic. It's 105 pages. I have done 53 pages so far. Oh, wow. And it's hard. But that's the only way that I, because uh, I don't want to leave Marvel. I, I feel comfortable there. They treat me well. They pay my bills. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, 
every time uh, I think of doing something else, they come with a very good offer. And uh, if I refuse, my wife would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's a, it's a, it's a great place to be. Uh, just, but in order to do my my own material, I have to push myself. So that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I have been doing the last five months. Oh wow, cool! Yeah, I'm looking forward to whenever this is uh, ready for prime time. Uh, let me know, and uh, we'll share this uh, widely. It's interesting when you see artists that are in a different level that are already established and uh, what kind of struggles they have, right? That is to try to find time to do other kinds of creative things. But it's cool that you you get to spend time with, um, well, the characters you grew up with, that I grew up with. Do you read any comic books that come out from like uh, different artists? Uh, how do you keep in tune with uh, everything that is going on uh, Marvel-wise? Well, um... Uh, the sad part is that uh, I don't have time. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I read I read comics my my whole life. I have a big collection of comics. I know everything from comics from eighties below. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nowadays, it's it's impossible for me to have time to. Read. That's very sad. But and I have to choose. I have to use my spare time to absorb another. Uh, culture and another media like uh, books or movies or series or anything or if i keep reading comics and the same comics i i work with right i don't think i'm gonna grow if i use this very little time i have to read the same thing i'm producing mm-hmm. no for sure i think uh, i'll be a better uh, artist if i absorb another stuff Mm-hmm. But I I read comics once in a while, but not uh, not superhero for the same reason. I prefer to to read things like a uh, saga from. Uh, I prefer trade paperbacks, everything collected. But again, I love comics. I love superheroes. Mm-hmm. But I have to make this tough choice. If I keep digesting the same thing I'm producing, I'm not gonna grow. So I, I have to. For sure, and I think use, yeah. yeah, and I think it shows a lot uh, of like all your other influences, uh, sometimes from uh, movies or from like other kinds of art that that you that you like. I urge people to go online, take a look at uh, Mike's artwork in case you're not familiar with it, because what I like about it, at least how I find it interesting, is that you are at the same time very realistic but stylized. So there is elements of larger than life uh, characteristics. And at the same time, you have like some ultra gritty, very like detailed work. Can you talk a little bit about your style and uh, how you like to draw? My biggest influence in comics is uh, Neil Adams. Everybody knows him. And uh, I I read once in a Twitter of his son, uh, I think it was Josh Adams. He said that when my dad wanted to to teach me how to to draw uh, realistic and with uh, dynamism, he told me to study Mike Deodato's uh, mm. work. So I was so happy, so proud of the oh man, Neil <laughs> <laughs> Adams could have said that. Ah, I studied my studied me, <laughs> but he said he studied Mike Deodato. I think it, that's the main thing. My 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 work is realistic, but at the same time, it's very dynamic. Mm-hmm. 
and the reasons because I have lots of influences because my dad loved comics and because in Brazil we we have comics from all over the world uh, Spain uh, uh, a lot of artists from uh, France and uh, not only America comics so I could learn from several styles Filipino and a lot of very great artists and I, I put them all in, in the mix and uh, yeah, that's cool I keep learning uh, every time I see a, a good artist doing something I like I try to learn from his work I study his work I try to discover what makes him click it's it's fascinating comics is uh, there is always something you have to you want to learn so yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting how this like self-taught approach to drawing like probably helped create the style that that you have, and how getting inf- like inspired and influenced from from other artists, uh, especially like all these uh, artists from all over the world that have their own different influences, help get yours richer. And I remember like when I was growing up, like it was mainly American uh, comic books that went at least to the city that I that I went to. I don't remember in the 80s and 90s seeing that much stuff from other from other countries how do you do you do you find like the the comic book uh, industry has uh, changed over time like i know it's a broad question but like comparing to how you grew up reading comic books how do you see people today reading them or at least the people that read your comic books well i i think we lost a lot of readers for for other media like uh, movies and uh, video games and and i think we are getting them back now uh mainly because of of the movies it's like uh, they they are bringing them back and uh, there is a whole new generation of people interested on comics now i don't know i i think we've, we have been i'm talking especially about American comics, that's the market I work with. Mm-hmm. We have been in a, a much worse place in the past. It's been a, a years trying to rebuild our readership base. And uh, I think it's paying off now. Uh, sales fall a little bit here and there, but uh, I, I think we are in a, a way of to recover. No, that's great. I live in Canada now, so but comparing to even Brazil, I used to go to my local uh, newsstand. They would have um, every basically every week or every month they would have the new collections of uh, of comic books, and that sort of went away. Right now, you have to go into a specialized store. You have to go into a like a proper like comic book store. So maybe that took away a little bit of the discoverability because it was so widespread. You could go anywhere and find comic books. And now if you want to find, you have to go in and there is that overwhelming amount of comic books. Uh, how, do you, how do you feel about that? In the, in the 90s, uh, a lot of mistakes were made. Uh, Marvel uh, bought he, its own distributor and there were three distributors and... I think DC made a deal with the second one. In the third, it went uh, bankrupt because uh, the two big companies were had their own uh, distributor. 
and then Marvel didn't know how to to operate the distribution. Uh, I I read that fifty percent of the comic book shops weren't in, weren't getting comics, so they went belly up too. So it a lot of mistakes were made back then that almost killed the market. So we we are recovering from that. But on the other side, we have internet nowadays. We have Amazon. There is so much ways for you to get your comic delivered at your home. I think one thing made up for another. So let's see what happens. Cool. And uh, do you like to to read comics like on uh, tablets or on the computer, or for you it's still the the paper is the is the way to they're supposed to be, or how do you feel about that? I like. I like comics on paper because of the smell. I like to smell mm-hmm. them and they print. <laughs> Me too. But on the other hand, I read the whole uh, saga collection on an iPad. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was great. The colors were vivid. And I love the experience to read on my bedroom mm-hmm. uh, without have to uh, turn the light on and... Uh, it was so quick for me to to get them digitally, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I love this the experience too. I, I like to read novels in my iPhone. The thing is, uh, comics are uh, not only to read. Uh, uh, a lot of people like to collect them, like they collect uh, coins or uh, stamps. Mm-hmm. It's not like just uh, music that you just by the records. People people like to to invest in, in comics, so they they know that. The future, it can uh, you can pay for the the college of yours. Uh, right. Yeah. So it's it's, it's different. But uh, uh, me, I, I like I like the reading them on, on an iPad. I like the the colors. The, I think it's it's nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you because I know that uh, since you have to draw so much, I know that you do take care of your health. You're always uh, like exercising. Can you? And I know that you practice karate, right? Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about the way you you t- since you have to sit down and 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 draw for long periods of time? How do you deal with your health, your posture? Because I I remember when I met you, you had such great posture. So how do you how do you deal with that? Uh, the health thing. Yeah, I, I started doing karate when I was uh, 15 because uh, of bullying in, in school. Huh. And then uh, I went to watch uh, a movie called uh, The Trail of Bruce Lee. It was not Bruce uh-huh. Lee, but <laughs> anyway. I know, yeah, it's one of those copycat <laughs> yeah. ones afterwards, yes. <laughs> and then I, wow, I want this. And um, it was fantastic because uh, it gave me a focus. It was fun, of course. I learned that I I, I didn't I don't have to beat people and uh, made me more more calm and more controlled. Uh, I know if I, I fight somebody, it's a risk for the people. So I, I it made me a more controlled, more calmer person person, and uh, gave me focus. It's the most impressive thing about uh, martial art in general, but in karate, is the, the concentration. It's it's not like a, a, a any other fight, like uh, boxing or anything. 
there is this thing about the focus, the concentration that made the whole difference. And I use it for my career in comics too. All the things I learned on fighting, I, I have to pay attention to what's going on in the market. So to have this general vision of everything that's going on. So although I don't read much comics, but I know everything that is being published and what's hot, what everything is doing. And it, these are uh, things that, that you use on, on a, in a fight too. You pay attention to the, to the whole, whole thing, not only the adversary in front of you. And in the more practical way, I, I do stretching uh, all day. Before going to bath, I, I, do, I stretch myself. It's, it's great, man. I recommend <laughs> karate to everybody. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I knew about the advantages of having like good health and good posture, but I haven't thought of a karate as a way to approach and engage the, the marketplace and the world in a more general way. But of course, it, it makes total sense. Cool. So then uh, one other thing that I wanted to ask you, like before we, we finish uh, off, is um, for people that are interested in... Uh, becoming, say, a, a comic book uh, um, uh, artist and are in, into that, what would be your recommendation in the world today uh, to, to learn and to put the, put the work out there? How, how does that work today, you think? I think you don't have to wait to, to be discovered or to, to say, I want to start working at the big two companies. or No, I think you have to do your own comic. Eventually, uh, you'll be you're gonna be discovered or or not. But uh, if you don't wait, uh, there is so many ways for you to publish your work nowadays. You can do a, a the Kickstarter, and uh, you don't have to you don't have to depend on a editor to to publish your work. You can present it for your fan base, uh, and uh, oh, do you want to, to buy this? You want to fund me? And and then you publish your own work. Yeah. You are going to learn a lot by doing independent comic. And that's the thing that people are the, at the big two, they, they tell them to do. Do your own work because they eventually, they will pay attention to that. And uh, I think that's the way. Don't waste your time uh, doing samples for companies. Do your comic. Eventually, something is going to happen. Mm-hmm. With your own vision and your own creation and all that, uh, all this stuff. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And then uh, one other thing that I wanted to ask you is um, that just came to my mind. Like now with Marvel being uh, not only like owned by Disney and then with all these movies that are coming out, how does the aesthetics in the movie influenced the comic book world. Is that something that you guys have guidelines or have to think about, or you are free to draw uh, characters any way you want? Uh, at least for me, I never had anything like, uh, oh, do this because of the movie or just follow this, this thing they are doing the movie. Never, ever. Actually, I think it's the other way around. Movies, movies follow what we do in comics, but I never got anything like that from an, an editor. I, I actually got the other way. The, I was going to do a cover for Agents of Shield, and I was the editor specifically said 
for not to use the same face of the main uh, actor. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. Make it uh, has me to make it a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And then, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, the only the only time they asked me to do it exactly like the movies and uh, following the the likenesses of the uh, actors is when I do Star Wars. Mm-hmm. They wanted to look exactly like the movie. So, but uh, from Marvel in general, no, they never asked me to do anything based on movies. Cool. When I when I was following uh, like comic books more closely before, I remember then. Oh, like this idea in specific movie or TV series was taken out of uh, or a specific aesthetic or angle of camera was taken from specific uh, comic book pages that I remember reading. So that's that's really cool to hear that they're not smartly interfering with uh, the creative process of the artists. Yeah, I think it's it's will it happen organically. Naturally, one will influence the other. We like the movies, and then I want the character to look more like the actor or not. Uh, but there is no no memos being distributed. Oh, do like this or mm-hmm. at least not not for me. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and then uh, one final thing I wanted to ask you because it's um, when we talked many 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 years ago when I was basically this is on a personal note. So I was uh, finishing my masters uh, here in uh, uh, and then uh, it was in art, media, and design. And then I was considering getting into photography, but then I thought it's such an overwhelming field and it's so difficult and so many great artists working and who am I being 30 something guy going into into photography and I remember you mentioned something about this myth of being too old or too young so can you talk a little bit about that uh, that approach that you have like of go getting it and I remember it was very inspiring for me I just thought it would be cool for people to to hear about that yeah uh, yeah I didn't remember that anymore but uh, I know that Al Foster, the creator of Prince Valiant, that's a huge success in the whole world. He, he created it with when he was 40. Uh, I know that uh, Jack Kirby started drawing uh, Fantastic Four. I think he was 40-something, too. So uh, this guy has our geniuses. <laughs> so uh, I don't think age is a... Is a actually, it's a... An advantage, I guess, because you are smarter, you are in a better. Uh, I, I don't know. It's a, uh, yeah. I think so. Actually, it's a, a very good advantage mm-hmm. to to start uh, older. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, like uh, yeah. Thanks for uh, uh, telling us that. I just wanted to put that uh, little plug out there because you never know <laughs> when people are going to inspire and it's something that i remember you said this during one of the comic like i don't know you're talking to either my uh, a, like a common friend and then you were just mentioning that like totally out of hand it's like oh wow that's actually true like why would you like worry about that and then <laughs> um uh, now uh, mike if people want to go check your art and see your your artwork and everything where should they go uh, I have uh, I have Tumblr, I have uh, Instagram, I have uh, uh, Facebook, I have Twitter, I have everything. <laughs> you just go uh, look for Mike Delgado. I'll be there, and uh, I always respond to everybody. Unless I don't see the the message, but when I see, I, I respond. So talk to me. 
<laughs> no, that's great. So with that, uh, Mike, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I'm really looking forward to seeing your own independent uh, comic book coming soon. Okay, thank you. I hope to finish till October, I guess. Oh, cool. Exciting. Awesome. So, Mike, thank you so much. Thank you. So, that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to The Wanderings Podcast. You can find show notes and links at pedrobonato.com slash podcast. If you like the show, I would love if you could share it with your friends or leave a review on iTunes. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on all social media at Pedro Bonato. I would love to hear from you. You can find my photography work at pedrobonato.com. The music for the Wanderings podcast is provided by the Blue Dot Ensemble, a music and dance group exploring traditions from all over the planet, where I am one of the founders and the lead drummer. You can find us at bluedotensemble.com. So tune in next week for another show. Until then, I urge you to keep following your curiosity, and I'm looking forward to our next Wanderings together. 